You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. We're at the back table at The Comedy Cellar. I'm here with Dan Natterman, our, uh, I guess, what are you, our producer, uh, Stephen Calabria, and uh, one of my favorite radio personalities for a long time, and I... I can't believe he's actually here because I'd asked him a million times, Mr. Ron Bennington. Good to see you. Good to see you, Ron, who's a, is a regular on Sirius XM. What's the name of the show that you do now? Bennington. Just called Bennington. Just called Bennington. He does it with his daughter. That's right. I've done it myself. Is it Bennington's or just Bennington? No, it's just, just Bennington. Bennington. Uh, wait, when I die, the, the name of the show doesn't have to change at all. So listen, usually, Ron, we, we start, Dan usually has uh, itching to say a few things before we get, uh, get with the guests. What, what's up, Dan? Well, uh, I'm still living with frozen shoulder. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned uh, my frozen shoulder on previous episodes. Yes, you mentioned it every week. Well, it's very significant because this is my first old person thing. It's my first kind of face-to-face with the fact that I'm old. How old are you? Whatever it is. <laughs> I'm 47. 47. And so this thing hits you at, you know, in, in middle age. It's, well, I had frozen shoulder in my 30s. So did I, you really? I, I don't believe it's necessarily uh, an oh, Did you really? Thing. Yeah, I did. Now, how did how'd you, how'd you fix it? Well... I didn't know what it was, and I just lived with it, and then it went away. Well, that's what it, it goes away. But you do physical therapy. Uh, I am in physical therapy right now with a young lady who's actually uh, fairly attractive. Ah. Yeah. But it'd be a little awkward, I think, to ask her out. And she says no, and then we still have to do exercises together. So. Anyway. That, that's it? That's, that's your week? Well, I, that's enough. We got Ron here. All right. So listen, you have anything? I have some stuff I want to ask Ron. You have something for Ron? My I, shoulders are fine, by the way. You've never had frozen shoulders? Never, never. I don't. How did you get it? Well, they don't really know. Um, if you look online, you know. First of all, you never look up anything online because then they would be like, well, you know, if you have Parkinson's, this is sometimes an early symptom. Mm. So I'm the whole now. You know, ten hours later, I'm still googling around about Parkinson's. Then I, I, I emailed the doctor. Hey, you know, I heard this is a Parkinson's symptom. And, the, and I, the nurse practitioner writes me back, don't worry about it. But then I'm like, well, that's the nurse practitioner. What does she know? So now I'm still kind of obsessing about it. You don't have Parkinson's, but I will tell you this. I think doctors are, are rapidly becoming obsolete. When was the last time anybody went to the doctor with some symptoms and didn't already know exactly what they had? Right. Well, where else are you going to get Oxycontin, though? That's what they do. They <laughs> hand out, they head in the entire country Oxycontin, and now we've got to figure out how we're going to get everybody off Oxycontin. It, it, it's, it's a real problem, actually. Yes. Yeah. And because it feels great. That's what they... You've it tried does, it? You, have, you you been, have you tried Oxycontin? Yeah. You don't have to be sick to enjoy Oxycontin. That's what killed Geraldo was Oxycontin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's killing half the country now. All the red states have Oxycontin problems. Yeah. Was that what they're referring to as the as white death or something that I've read about? The, 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 o- uh, opiates, yeah. The yeah. Um, increased rate of uh, death amongst the white Opioids. middle class. Op- opioids. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, you correct me all the time. So, anyway, so uh, but I, I this has been my, my latest thing now. Like with all this healthcare talk, is that you, you got a a good computer system which had uh, proper diagnostic questions and a proper database of all the people in the world that could, would be far superior sure. to the average doctor. You know, ask you the questions, get your test results, and and it can tell you literally on a graph of probabilities. Five percent of the people who have your symptoms have this. One uh, percent have this. Uh, instead of having to go from doctor to doctor to doctor, and finally the third doctor tells you, 
Oh, he he knew what I had. No one else knew. A computer would know it on the first right. thing, right? That's why they're coming up with smart toilets very very soon, right? So <laughs> and this is not made up. You take a piss, and the toilet will know very ah. early on. Hey, there's a single cancer cell. You know, long before you have to. That like, is a it's great a idea. Deal. Yeah, but I don't know if I want to know long before, unless of course they can do something about it. Well, why wouldn't they be able to do so? whatever they do if they catch it in time? They tell you, like your frozen shoulder. Your piss probably would have known a month before that this was coming on. And your bowel movements, forget it, Dan. Yeah, it tells Dan, the whole story. Everything. Is okay, if they can do something about it, great. If otherwise, yeah. I don't want to know. They might, the toilet might even tell you to write 15 new minutes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be... Uh, I don't need the toilet to tell me that. You, you are demonstrating... One, this is actually my, my favorite thing about Ron Bennington. I actually... I'm a huge... Not that I listen to anything on the radio, but every time I've ever heard you, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I feel like you should be famous all over the country. And I, and I know there's nothing I can do to help that. This is the best way is to not to be famous all over the country, and then you're able to talk about whatever you want to, right? You don't aspire to be Howard Stern or something like that? I mean, the, the thing is, like today on my show, I got to be 30 minutes with Robbie Robertson talking. From the band. From the band. Talking music. Nobody comes to me before and says, here's what I want you to ask them. Nobody worries about it after. The most beautiful thing that you can get is to get paid for what you love to do and not have the management going, hey, we should be making even more money out of this. You know, it's perfect. Well, I, I, I mean, more power to you. I, I feel like you're an untapped talent. You're, you're as quick-witted and funny as, as the, as the world-famous comedians that I know. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, here we've had, we've had a lot of people in, in, in this chair. Um, let me ask you this. You, you have your finger on the pulse. What do you attribute the current comedy, I guess, obsession, the national obsession, boom, whatever you want to call it, the mushrooming of comedy, what, what do you attribute that to? Well, before I would even, I mean, that's looking backwards. Mm -hmm. Now I'm wondering how much of the bubble we're on because of Netflix. I mean, you know, if you've been around long enough, the thing that ruined the last boom was oversaturation on TV. I, I never... That, that was conventional wisdom. Yeah. I don't know that that's the case, and I think what we've seen now with YouTube has kind of uh, um, made that harder to maintain because there's more exposure now than ever. Yeah, but you're able... With YouTube, it seems like, okay, if I get obsessed with one comedian, I can follow that person. I think the problem now is Netflix is just special after special. I mean, can you keep up? Nobody can keep up watching I don't even try, things. no. Yeah. So this might, this might be a problem. But I think what does help a lot is podcasts. The fact that you can follow somebody and go in deeper than you would have ever went years ago. Listen, I'm going to be the first casualty of any dip in the comedy business here. You're scaring the shit out of me. So, you, I mean, I got three kids. I one on the oh, way. Oh, stop it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's, but don't, nobody's buying. Don't. And, and, and second trimester, nothing I can do about it. Nobody's <laughs> buying Noam's, uh, when Noam cries, he doesn't cry poverty. He cries <laughs> Upper middle class, and I don't buy that either. I'm not crying poverty, but listen. No, you're crying upper middle class. You're crying middle class. You're crying listen. like normal people problems. Listen, everybody, this is this is the problem. And everybody knows you're drowning in it. Everybody, my father used to say, uh, expenses always expand to meet income. Everybody gets used to a certain standard of living, and they expand their lifestyle. Well, your lifestyle is fairly modest. Well, uh, yeah, but, I, you know, so I'm always worried about the contract. Not only that. The very notion of having to close something, like like 
have business dwindle and have to shut down a room is so humiliating to me. It, I, I literally don't know how I could look well, through it. Well, that's another issue. But as far as you have kids that you're worried about sending them to college, no one's buying that. All right. Anyway, so... They're, those kids will be fine. Those, the only problem those kids will have is you spoil them too much. So you think that the comedy bubble is coming to a close. Well, I think all the signs are there if you were playing this game. I mean, the only thing that's different is podcasting that maybe that but see I think you're in a better you say you're first but I think it's the clubs in the middle of the country that run a bigger risk because they don't have the just the flow of unbelievable <laughs> comics yeah. that come through this club so and there are people to me I think Todd Barry is very very interesting because hey everybody. he he, <laughs> he bypasses all the comedy clubs in the in the middle of the country instead of playing them he goes out and does his own one-nighter at a different kind of club. If more people catch on to that... Well, I'll do Todd Barry one better. I don't do any clubs. Um, I've, I've restricted my comedy to just one-nighters and, and corporates. And I, by the way, I, uh, that reminds me, I have a cruise next week, so I won't be here, no. Every, everything you do in your life is, is, is uh, dictated by your anxiety. It's not like a career decision you're making. I didn't say it was. Oh, okay. I mean, Todd Barry is, is doing it for other reasons, I think. Yes, but I'm saying, for whatever reason, yeah. I, I don't... I mean, I do once in a while, I do a comedy club. You, don't, you don't like the atmosphere of a comedy club? I don't. I just uh, don't like the uh, the whole thing. The, the multiple shows, the whole weekend, the atmosphere, everything about it. I, I've... Um, no, I, for whatever reason, it just triggers something in me. So you want to be in and out of whatever the town is? I'd like to be in and out. Now, I am doing a cruise ship next week, which is not in and out. That's a whole yeah. week. And believe me, believe me, I'm anxious about that, too. You should be. Um, and I don't know, it may have, you know, so I, every time I book a cruise ship, my thinking is, is I always book it for several months down the road. My thinking is, well, I'll pr maybe I'll get something between now and then, and I won't have to do it. You know, I'll, I'll get a writing job, or I'll get a, a big uh, part in the show, you know, or they'll finally commit me. Uh, but for one reason or another, you know, I won't have to go. And then, of course, the day comes, and I'm all anxious about it, so... But uh, but in any case, I I ascribe. No, I've ascribe, heard you subscribe. Ascribe whatever. I ascribe. What? Ascri whatever you subscribe, you ascribe. Oh, I ascribe to, the, to a theory of golden ages, and I think that a lot of this is dictated. I think I discussed this with you one time. Yeah. A lot of this is dictated just by the coincidence of a crop of talent, which is happens at a particular time and they're groundbreaking and they're fantastic like the sick like the 60s with the Beatles and the Beach mm -hmm. Boys and all that stuff which at the time if you said that you might look silly but here we are 50 years later and that music still has such a hold on everybody you have to say no there was something special right. about it and in art I imagine these peers and I think that we had that in comedy over the last 10 years with Chappelle and rock and Louis CK and all in a way that we hadn't like who were the comedians it like that 20 years ago it wasn't they weren't at that level 20 years ago and I think when this generation kind of fades away unless people of equal talent and stature replace them I think that's when it's really going to peter out you harder. think there there are there's a next level coming in you think there's next classes no because I you know because I see a lot of the young people being way ahead of where a lot of people were at that same age or the same amount of time in the business like it's always I'm trying to think of somebody. Joe Mackey is a perfect example. I somebody I saw the first time I saw him, I like, oh, there's something to that kid. There's something there. And six months later, I'm like, I don't know if anybody can touch Joe Mackey right now. You know what I mean? It's just amazingly fast how people like him 
and Sam Morrell or Michelle Wolf. Michelle Wolf. Those people just growing at an unbelievable pace. Yeah, well, those actually you identified three of my favorites, and I think Joe Mackey is extremely underrated in a way because his material is very, very like interesting. Like we, I, I judge a lot of them by certain comedians whose material comes up as a point illustrator in conversation quite right. often. And Joe Mackey's, Joe has like three or four bits that when I'm talking about something, we'll say, it's like Joe Mackey's bit, you know? like The Tom Brady the, joke comes up at least once a week. Which is the Tom Brady joke? Tom Brady said, after the balls are deflated, he says, well, it's not like I'm a member of ISIS. And Mackey says, I would love to be able to get away with something oh, by oh, equating it to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Compare. So, but... His well, swimming pool bit, too, is as good as anything ever did. Well, you have water in your yard and you would tell people around the uh, world that, that have to walk to get drinking water no 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 this is not for drinking it's just water <laughs> we keep here we jump into it oh so it's bathing no 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 not at all and I, I watched that and I'm like well that's as good maybe as anything Carlin ever did I mean it's that it's that brilliant you know I'm and, so happy to hear you say that I really feel that way too go ahead yeah and that was out of nowhere was he at that level you know what I mean he went from being oh he's kind of adorable to Jesus that's Really phenomenal. Question is, can these guys master? I mean, what people like Chris Rock have done. First of all, they've mastered a l very long form form of comedy where they can really, you know, do a bit which is 15 minutes long and right. it's and it's very premise based. Sometimes it's interesting, almost philosophical. Mackie has some mm -hmm. of that. And the second question is, because a lot of them don't see it this way, a charismatic uh, persona on stage. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of them eschew, a lot of them like reject that. Like they want, like uh, uh, Gad Elmala was telling me, he doesn't like a lot of Americans. They sit back, leaning on the brick wall, sure. and, and they're not putting themselves forward. Like Chris Rock is a personality on stage. Chappelle is a personality on stage. So the question: Will will these guys get that whole package together to be able to come? Well, viral, but once again, you know? I don't know. once I again, so. Noam's making a mistake. He often makes. I feel it's a mistake. Okay, is confusing fame with talent. <laughs> Obviously, Rock, Chappelle, Louis, and uh, many of these others are, not very, very are oh. very famous and very talented. But I think there are, I, I think that it is not necessarily the case that they're the most talented because they're the most famous. So you're saying, well, will, will these younger comics be able to get to their level in terms of charisma, joke-telling, long-form, etc.? And that's not the question. The question is, whether they, will they become famous for whatever reason they become famous and be able to hold on to it? Okay. Um, but Noam tends to do this. He tends to just assume that everybody that becomes a sensation is famous. The Pet Rock became a sensation too. I might, I might add, back in the '70s. And so, by the way, is the the, the only implication the, ca the, the Cash Me Outside girl. The, 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 the glaring implication from what you're saying is that you think at least one of these three is not as talented and, and doesn't deserve their fame. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm saying there's a sea of talented people. Some of them break <laughs> and some of them don't. And when you break, that of course is somewhat self-fulfilling because then. You, you, I mentioned three names based on their talent and their ability. But you're saying, will these other guys be able to have yeah. this talent? You're, 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 you're suggesting that, you know, that that's the, that's the key. It, there's more to it than that. All right. Well, in any event, I, 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 certainly we suppose I mean, some, some, somebody the, will. In every generation, there are some there's brilliant talents. The question is, will you have this kind of critical mass of all these first-rate comics at the same time doing groundbreaking material and whatever the new... in order to create kind of a national ripple of interest in comedy, which we have now. Maybe, I don't know. Well, you know, Dan's point could be this, too. It's very rare to make it just on stand-up, the kind of 
fame that you're talking about, you do need that, whether it's a sitcom, a movie career, or even a variety show of some kind, SNL or something, then people go to see the person who's on TV. Who's, or, the, who's the best example of someone who's made it recently just on stand-up? It's a very rare thing. I mean, it's only happened a couple of times. Uh, Sebastian Carmen. Maniscalco, I guess. Good you could, uh, you Bill know, Burr. You, Bill Burr. You, you could say, say Burr. but of course, they're not as big as the the aforementioned guy. But Bill Burr, Bill Burr sold out the garden. Oh, but we've been joined by Ray Allen. Aruba uh, Ray Allen. Hello. He's I know there. He's king, of, you, king of comedy on the island of Aruba. That is true. And, that is uh, true. and it's no small thing. He's also quite selfish, but I'll bring that up in a second. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I'm eager to hear about that. Go, go ahead. Uh, but I was gonna, Brian Regan is yes. uh, huge from just doing stand-up. Bill Burr has had a lot of TV exposure over the years, for sure. I mean, he, he being on the radio show, was it, was it Opie and Anthony that yeah. he was on? That definitely got him uh, a mass uh, audience. And then he keeps delivering the goods. I mean, he's great. So but he, you know the he last did have a medium other than just stand-up. Regan was just on The Tonight Show, and he's been doing you know late-night shows for 20 years. If you go back and watch the last one, or even the last time he was on Letterman, he had to win the crowd over. They, he doesn't get that moment where he walks out and everybody's happy. He has to go out and win that crowd on material every single time. Because if you're not a, a, a huge fan of his, you don't know who he is. As opposed to like Louie who just... Louie could walk out and everybody's going to go crazy or Jerry or Ray Romano. But Brian has to go out and every single time, like the third joke in, you see the television audience go, oh, this guy's really good. He yeah, used to, he used to kill him. when he was here. And his brother Dennis was a great, yes. a great comedian, and still is. Mm -hmm. They both of them are yeah. still killing it. Wait, do you know Ron Bennington? By no, the way, uh, Ron is a, a, a radio personality from the Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, I don't know if it's a network, but whatever it is, I've heard your name. It's a many, Sirius many Satellite. Uh, him, him and his daughter have a show together. Oh, cool. Very and cool. to be number one in Aruba, you got to love that. Well, Ray, 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 here's the thing about Ray Allen. Ray is in Aruba, does his show in Aruba. Makes I don't know what he's making. I haven't. I I don't count money, as you know, know him. What are you um, talking about? You, you that, dude, that's a joke. Oh, okay. Hmm. Good Lord, Noam. He doesn't get me. This is the problem, Ron. Is Noam doesn't, <laughs> he, just, he, doesn't, he doesn't get me. Yeah. Ultimately. So, uh, so you have counted Ray's money. So you do have, you do have an I've idea. I've done a rough making. calculation well, of his, his revenue, but I don't know what his expenses What's are. What's his revenue? Whatever it is. Now, you, said, you, said you play the same room? It? Well, I'm sorry? You just play the same room in Aruba? Yeah, I set up a club down there. We do yeah. about uh, about a hundred shows a year. Yeah, yeah, spread out over. He's making a living. I don't know, it's a great living, a good living, an okay, whatever it's he's not doing. Not comedy seller living, but it's not no one. But it's whatever. But you're a single man, uh, you know, and you don't uh, you don't have any uh, addictions, so you, you don't have expenses. He's addicted. He's women, women. He's yeah, but they, he gets them for free. He doesn't uh, not, pay. Not in Aruba. In Aruba. Anyway, so this is what right. So I'm, I'm, I thought of this today before you're on the show. And it actually was annoyed me what? because. We were, my wife and I were going to go to Aruba, and um, then she was pregnant, and there's Zika. So I said, we can't there's go There's the rumor of Zika, Ron. Yeah. The rumor. And he's trying to talk me. He wants me to come there to hang out with her. He's trying to, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. She can yeah. come. That's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, you're really trying to talk me out of doing the prudent thing, which is to not go to Aruba with my pregnant wife, based on your knowledge of zero, zero knowledge no, no, no. of any I said, why don't you come alone for a few days, get away? No, no, you were, you were trying, first you tried to convince me that there's, there's no Zika there. There's no Zika there's there. There's no Zika The there. CDC only but says anyway, here's the big, CDC here's the big Here's the big question with Ray Allen. Yeah. Ray Allen's doing fine in Aruba. If he put more effort into it, he could do even better. But Ray Allen's not happy. Ray Allen wants to be in New York. He wants to make it big. I say just make the money, Ray Allen. Nobody's making it big. 
I'm not making it big, and I got the uncle joke. You know, <laughs> how many times have you been bad uncle? Uh, the problem is, is that if you, uh, you, there's that feeling, and you can call it a fear or whatever, that if you don't fully fulfill or tap into your all your potential, and I know there's more, there's a lot of potential I have, and a lot of things I want to do that I haven't done, and it's incredibly frustrating, as you know, to not get the opportunity to do certain things you want to do, where acting in this or that or whatever, and a lot of it is luck. And a lot of it is, I don't know. I don't know what the other thing is. Can't you do both? You go back to Aruba a few times a year? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh, good. That, 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 that is why yeah, I keep That's what he is back. doing. But yeah. I'm telling you, he should put all the chips on that Aruba table. He should go all in. Balls deep, as we say. Balls deep. Into Aruba and just, and just make, the, make the dough. He's, just saying, he's telling you to give up your dreams. He's basically telling you you're not going to make it. And you should just go to, right? I mean, there's, a, there's if, an if, element If you of thought that, he was going to make it, you wouldn't tell him to do that. Well... That there may be something to what you're saying, Noam. But but I, if I had an opportunity like that, I think I would I would seize it to go to Ruba. So, so I'm not just saying this because I you know I don't I don't Ray take Ellen. it. I mean, just to just to just to just to save Dan a little bit here and to give him benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's specifically saying Ray, you aren't going to make it. I think he's saying the mass, the most of us are not going to get to do what we want to do ultimately. So we're surrounded by depressives in this business. I, yeah, yeah, I was feeling pretty good yeah. when I walked in. Yeah, you want to go and hit major league hitting. Yes. You don't want to be, sure. you know, major on the outside. You want to know, can I hit a curveball? But now, because Ron had said before you got here, Ray, that he's happy in the pocket. Right. Ron is in the pocket right mm-hmm. now. Ron. Is, is, is making a nice living and has a nice fan base, but is not a household name from coast to coast. Right. And I also, and he loves it. No, I do love it. You know what I mean? Because, but it only happens to be this one situation where I have a booking department that's unbelievable, and I get to talk to all the people in my whole life that I ever want to talk to, and I don't have one boss. They go, what are you doing? That's great. You just spent 45 minutes talking to somebody that no one cares about. When you work in terrestrial radio, every goddamn minute, they want to know, uh, did you push this? Did you do that? You know what I mean? So the, the, the job doesn't even exist outside of where I'm at. What is the future of radio, by the way? I'm, I, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. It probably, uh, probably in a Tesla and a few other things. I, I expect very soon on your dashboard radio, mm-hmm. you will be able to access podcasts the same way yes. you can access stations. Yes. In which case, I think everything, because Sirius has got to be uh, 80, 90% auto driven. Yes. In which case, auto? People, people look in their oh, cars. Oh, in the cars. It's Auto and George. We're still right. very <laughs> much about Auto and George. Very few people are listening on their own. I used to have a home thing, but you don't. So when that happens, you're going to see a huge change in, in everything. Are they prepared for that? Are you prepared for that? Have you thought you agree with that? Yeah, they never call me in for those meetings, you know, because they do have the, the, the car deals and now the phone deals. So they've set up a network of celebrities, you know what I mean, that, they, that, that you can just pick up that package on your phone and they hope to compete in that way. But I kind of miss the fact of terrestrial radio when you could be... Like you're doing in Aruba, you could be the number one guy in Phoenix. You know what I mean? Those days are going to be over. Yeah. And that kind of radio, I'm telling you, is the most fun radio in the world to do, where you bring up the gu- the, like, you bring up the mayor's name and say, go over his house and throw trash bags there, and people <laughs> do it. I mean, that was the funnest radio you could ever do. The funnest. I, I always thought, you, you may not be able to talk about it because it's... Uh, I always thought Howard Stern made a mistake um, going on serious... Because I felt like he traded 
being basically the, the most important figure in like like this is what I thought. He had an audience of I don't know 40 million at the time and of people who would listen to him once a week or twice a month whatever it is. Now he's got this concentrated audience of people who only have serious radio mm-hmm. and and that, but that's a very small audience even though they may listen every day and now he's not what's the word for it like he's not on the pulse of the well, pop culture anymore but who is i mean look johnny carson used to have 30 40 million people a night jimmy fallon has two or three million a night there is no such thing there's never going to be another ed sullivan there's never going to be we all as a country watch the beatles at the same night and ran out the next day and, and bought the album it just doesn't exist anymore for anybody I still you of course you know 10 times more about this than I do I still feel like he would be a more important cast a bigger shadow on America if he was on you know 100 terrestrial stations than he does now and now he probably makes way more money and can say whatever he wants he makes more money and can say what he wants and he's not doing 24 minutes of of commercials and it's an could, hour and, that's and it, where could, it, was. it could be that he's just doing what he just enjoys yes. more yeah. he may not be that he wants to cast a giant shadow anymore anymore he may mm-hmm. just want to interview Billy Joel and, and, and Madonna and this and whomever and have in-depth interviews and do what fulfills him On he's a very terms. he's a very different guy than he used to be I mean he's he's completely changed he's he's uh, he's trying to kind of be more family friendly you know he's not the bad boy that he used to be also the stress of waiting for that book that now comes out, you know. Now it's people meters where you can tell, you know, almost every day. That kind of stuff is a nightmare. Yeah. When you talk about raising a family and you have to hear all this sudden we're down a point, so you're like, I don't know, what do I do? Get rid of the weather girl? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just start firing people for no reason. It's a nightmare way to live. And he doesn't I, have to I deal guess, with the FCC anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I think the FCC's kind of calmed down anyway, but I, I guess you're right. It, right. I mean, I'm a huge be. Howard Stern fan, so, you know. Well, I mean, the FCC has calmed down because there's no one doing anything edgy anymore. Mm. There's nothing there the way there was. That that I mean that form of radio is gone. Well, the, things are so segmented. Like I've been I've been infuriating basically every person I know because I'm like, eh, if they want to stop PBS, I don't think anybody's going to miss it. And everybody's going crazy. And, and, it's, and I'm not I'm, I don't say that because I want them to get rid of PBS or I care about the budget or anything like that. I just figure I always say this, like if PBS didn't exist today, nobody would think to invent it. There's like when I was a kid, when we were kids, mm. if you wanted to watch a Beethoven symphony, you might be able to catch it on a Sunday and it was only on PBS, right? I mean, anything cultural. Now you can go on YouTube and listen to 40 or 50 versions of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. You know, like there's nothing out there that's not cultural that you don't have a hundred times more of now for free than we used to depend on PBS for. Children's programming, Nickelodeon, Disney Junior, Sprout, they're all the same, you know. And God forbid they should have to sell a commercial. Like, what is the big thing about PBS? I don't know if you have any feelings about it. Well, I do. You're political. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that political, but I I think that NPR and PBS are good for a society. I think it's absolutely good for a society to say, here's culture that you don't have to pay for. Because we forget that a lot of people don't get exposed things. I mean, you have to know what Beethoven is before you go and look him up on YouTube. You need somebody. Nah. You need somebody to curate any kind of culture. Well, but there's all kinds of YouTube channels that are curated and, uh, you know, YouTube suggests videos. I mean, if you're interested in music, you, you find these things. I don't believe anybody's discovering Beethoven because they happen to surf, channel surf through 
PBS. Now, I mean, maybe, but you're on a thin read of, of the, the the vital need of so PBS. So are people now? In now, my opinion, well, I know I, I'm a, listen. I'm a minority of one on this. I'm telling you. How many people in, are enjoying Beethoven these days? I mean, I don't want to sound like a cretin, Many but more uh, than I can't sit through it. Well, now, the, the Ode to Joy, I, I like. But, but, but you know, there's a couple of, of yeah. melodies. No, but for, for the same way, you could say that we don't need state parks, and people do that kind of stuff all the time. Why do we need a well, park? Well, there's no substitute for a state yeah. park. Yeah. You can't YouTube a, a state park experience. But they'll say, why not have a park that let the people who live in that area decide they want a park or whatever? I mean, you, th- there's no, no that's harm. Because, because I'll tell you why. I mean, yeah. that reason, because I am not discounting the importance of what it is that PBS offers. I'm saying that it's delivered oh. a thousand times more now for free and in a million other ways than it ever was well, back in the sev- hey. like in the 70s and 80s, yeah. which we kind of got our perception of PBS that... Well, we'll deliver that- it right now. Cut at cat. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> like like it was it was 20% of television at the time. Right. And it was only, and now like I like I have two preschool kids or one kid in kindergarten they do not watch PBS. It's just it's n- like it's just not on yes, our radar anymore. Yes, but they have anymore. the means. Whoa. They have iPads. I don't They're, know. No, that they guy. have YouTube. Listen, I and if you can and if you want to make it about money, which I really I'm I'm not focusing on the money. I I would totally get behind spending real money to make sure that every child has broadband internet access because that's worth a thousand times, 10,000 more times, 10,000 times more than being able to watch Channel 13 for a couple hours. Wait, you want to expose them to porn at a young age? Point is that, I mean, do you know how you all the educational stuff on YouTube? Sure. It's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. but, you, but you don't think that you could... And it, NPR has, is a bore. But What's you don't that? think that as a parent, you could find, you could cultivate all that educational stuff on DVDs and, and on PBS programming Without using the internet, I mean, we got we did it without the internet forever. He's saying, but now we have the internet; it can be used to great effect. I mean, the parents are the ones. Your kids aren't picking it themselves, are they? I mean, you're choosing for them what to what to watch. Well, actually, they have you. They have YouTube for kids, mm-hmm. and you can set it up for them with what, and and they can then begin to choose their own videos. Oh, okay. YouTube curates it for them, yeah. and they'll pick it up based on the thumbnails. Mm. And my kids will spend a couple hours just, you know, on, on YouTube. But for again, kids. there's a difference between having the means and just having the access. Like, there are initiatives now that are pushing for internet, broadband internet, to be offered as a public utility, like water. It's something that everybody needs. But having access to internet is different than having people, an actual people, computer in front of you. People pay for water, too. Water's not free. I don't pay for water at the comedy cellar. In, in New York City, we don't pay for water, but in, but in houses... In a lot of places, they don't. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, but, but normally when you have a house, you, you pay for water. I mean, the government doesn't... We want to keep people above poverty, right? But the government doesn't pay for our food, pay for our clothing, pay for our... I mean, we, we, we allow people to decide. You want internet? We don't want internet. I mean, in, in the case of... Real poverty, there's a real question. Do you want to give people money and let them decide what they want to use it for? I want to say, no, you need to have internet. So, we're, I mean, I could go either way on that. I just don't think PBS, anybody's going to miss it if it goes. I don't think there's any chance that it's going to go, but I think we'll be fine without it. Anyway. I think there's only one TV show that people are watching now, and that's Trump. I mean, it's yes. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing Depressing. how much people watch. Trump and my, you know, my friends are like, well, "Do you have this on right now?" And I'm like, "What? What is it? What has he done?" You know what I mean? Like it's the most entertaining thing that we've ever had in years. Ever? You, you, ever. Find, you actually find you, you legitimately find it entertaining? Or you mean it's entertaining to? Oh, the I, I don't think you can turn it off. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, the fact today there was like four stories that came out of him. One of them was him saying, 
I don't think Bill O'Reilly abused yeah. any women. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, oh, and he shouldn't have settled. <laughs> yeah, he never should well, have that settled. Was, now, but there was one story today that was even bigger. Apparently, Barry Manilow finally came out uh, of the closet. Oh, wonderful. Barry Manilow was gay? Yeah. Ma- Mandy was a boy? Like Mandy yeah. Patinkin? Well, Mandy was not <laughs> was a Mandy boy, <laughs> but, but Barry... Uh, you know, he's ready to take a chance again with wishes. <laughs> I I ran out, but we all knew he was gay. But he finally came out and cop to it. We burned his albums in my neighborhood today. We all ran outside. <laughs> what if our children heard this? But you know, I think it's almost if you look back on it, I think gay culture itself was better when people were in the closet than when they're completely accepted. What do you mean by that? I mean, if you look back at the seventies. And it was like Bowie and everything that was happening in the Velvet Underground. That music, and then by the time they get around, they're accepted in society. They're making Glee and shows like that, mm. you know? You're saying it's, the art was better when it was the, produced by people who when, were repressed yes. sexually? And I think that's why I don't everybody think being furious about Trump may help, may help the arts. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes people edgier. Well, it helped in the 60s. What, what do you think about Bill O'Reilly? Excuse me, I have to run on the stairs and do a set. I'll be back. Excuse okay. Me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ray, well, Ray Allen's doing a set. This is unusual. You're not doing emceeing. I'm doing a set. Did you tell Esther you want to do sets now? No, I said nothing. And But I think uh, maybe uh, she heard good things about me. And, okay, uh, okay. Uh, Ray Allen typically emcees here, Ron. Yeah. But he's now he's doing I sets. Yeah. I enjoy hosting immensely. Now I'm, I'm doing more. I used to just do sets, and then I just hosted forever. And now I do both. Go light on the Aruba stuff. You'll lose people. There's <laughs> <laughs> not too much Aruba. I'll go easy on the Zika. <laughs> Bill, you know, Billy Joel famously settled that plagiarism case for some song. I don't remember what song it was, you know. And, and Piano Man? What, what, was it, I don't know what it was. I hope not. And it, no, it, I don't think so. It was to say goodbye to Hollywood? Because that was apparently based on the Ronettes' Be My no, Little Baby. But anyway, and he said, look, what am I going to do? I just, you know, you, you have to settle these things. And I think that, um, you know, if you're Bill O'Reilly, I'm not, I'm not taking a position on Bill O'Reilly. I'm just saying if you're Bill I O'Reilly we talking about Billy Joel. and you have to imagine like an Anita Hill type televised trial of someone right. whatever you're like no there's it doesn't matter i'm just going to settle this and you you mistakenly think i'll be able to bury it and and that's it so and chris rock told me at this table he says when you get this is just this is a cousin of that that when you get divorced he says it doesn't matter when you get divorced every time you get divorced 100% of the time women will accuse you of things you didn't do he he was in you know in order to get the settlement wow so knowing all that, I mean, but, but I have to I have to say I, I it could be it could be totally unfair to Bill O'Reilly, you know. Well, I, I he, don't know, by the way, that 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 statement by Chris Rock is accurate. I, I well, did Paul? You think Paul McCartney really beat that that one-legged uh, woman like, that accused? No, like, I'm saying Chris Rock said, according to you, that in every case when you get a divorce, a woman will accuse you of things you didn't do. I think that statement I, I don't may or may not be correct okay, I'm just saying. and I'll tell you something else when he married when Paul McCartney married that woman her leg was fine and two <laughs> years later two years later she's hopping around here's what happened to O'Reilly which is, is is the roughest thing is the advertisers are leaving yeah. so it doesn't matter what your ratings are when the advertisers go you know someone at Fox News is going well how old's O'Reilly how long before we get the advertisers back is this worth it they're not thinking anything beyond you those think, kind you of numbers. Do you think there's a chance he might lose his show? Absolutely a chance. If you would have told me that his boss would have been out of Fox, the man who, uh, Roger Ailes, who invented that entire format, I said, no, they'll fight forever for him. They cut him loose. They cut him loose. Yeah. The guy who came up with right-wing talk. 
your shoulder's killing you. It's not killing me. No, no. Uh, uh, Ron is commenting uh, for our listeners because I've been st- doing I'm stretching exercises. Uh, no, I just like to stretch it. It's not killing me. It's just the mobility is reduced, and I'm stretching it. If you you think you think O'Reilly did it, no one has no concern for my shoulder. First of all, there's no way to know. You know what I mean? It's it's like the, if somebody is being accused of, let's say, being a pedophile, you can't say, "Oh, I knew the guy for a long time. I never saw him touch a kid." But you get you a know vibe I mean? sometimes, you know. Um, you feel like you pick up a vibe from another man that would be. I don't know, abusive to women. I don't know if I always picked up on that. Not always, but it, yeah. it, 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 there, there is something about Bill O'Reilly that makes it believable, you know, this, yeah. you know especially, especially the accusations of, of harsh temper uh, right. berating, you know? The actual, I mean, do guys really... I mean, it sounds... I just... I mean, I'm an employer. Like, you want to bang the girl working for you and you and you actually threaten her job? It just seems insane. It just seems regular. But he's old school. He's like madman age. You know what I mean? Like, he was around when you would do stuff like that. And I don't know whether... But you're saying that he wouldn't even it. get you what you want. Even if that is what you want, that's not how you would go about doing it. Yeah, it just seems, it just seems crazy. Yeah, it, it seems like it wouldn't get you what you want. And you'd have to be... And maybe he does lack total any lack of any sophistication to just put that out there like that, knowing everything that you can lose. I mean, if you have to say that to her, she's probably already signaled she doesn't want to bang you. Like now, you're really going to risk it all, like double down and put all your chips on the thing that I'm going to. I mean, it it just seems insane to me. But maybe we already have tape of him calling, you know, employees and sounding like he was jerking off and talking about taking showers. Well, what's wrong with that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) No, that. Yeah, but I'm being. Yeah. I'm. I'm actually being half serious. Right. Because that's disgusting behavior, but it's not the same thing as threatening a girl with her job. I'm not. I'm not condoning it. But, you know, you could have a relationship with someone who works for you where you thought that was appropriate flirtatious thing going on back and forth. Who knows? I have a question to the table. Do you think it increases the believability the more people that come forward? Or does that is that not relevant to you? Yeah, it does. To me, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think any of us that have been around long enough has said, oh, now that I look back on it, I was like an asshole back then. Things that I said or, or how long... I kept hitting on a woman. I don't think there's anyone of my generation who doesn't look back, particularly if you were raised Catholic, where, you know, girls were saying no, and you were like, man, it's part of the game that they say no, you know? I, I, and I think I, that no, he falls I always into took that. no as no. And yeah. I, in fact, I even took sometimes uh, yes as no. You took yes as no? <laughs> well, I once had a girl tell me that she wanted to watch porno, and I was like, I, you know... The first time I actually ever <laughs> kissed a girl, she had yeah. asked me if we could watch porno, and I was, I said okay, and then we're watching porno, and I'm thinking to myself, should I make a move? You know, is was that a signal? <laughs> I, I think the fact that you're still calling it porno, like it's well, what else do we call it? Porn. I, it was just porn. Now. Oh, okay. You're like right. Adult erotica. If porno is an out word, I, I didn't even notice. The yeah. porno came and went just like Be- Peking. Peking. Yeah. I did not. Beijing, Beijing. I did not uh, do the set because oh, I went, I, yeah, I'm about to go back on, very quickly. but then Amy Schumer oh, Amy, uh, Amy's here. Okay. came by to do a guest that she's doing going on before me. Wow. Well, I think it's great. I actually I enjoy following someone who's very very well known because I find it. I just I just well, get a kick out of it. Are you going to follow her? Or yeah, you, I'm going to follow her. Or is your spot just The other it? day I followed Louie. I was supposed to go on and Louie showed up and I went on after him. And you know what? Someone said to me, are you worried? I go, I could care less. I could care no, less. I think it's great. It generally doesn't 
uh, it's, it's not hard generally to follow somebody that's famous. You know what's hard? If somebody typically. does an hour and murders, and you, then you're going up after to do 15 Amy's minutes. going to be disappointed, though, because she was hoping to bump you. She, she, didn't, she, <laughs> she did bump me. <laughs> no, but she was hoping that, you know. I wouldn't get on at all. That the time constraints. Well, <laughs> Amy, if Amy wanted Ray off the show, she only has to say, I want Ray off the show. In fact, if, Ray, if, if Amy said to Noam, I never want to see Ray on the schedule again. Noam would have you killed. Then, then Ray Ellen would never be on. No, he wouldn't have you killed, but Listen, you'd never be on the schedule again. I have, have those situations. I mean, I've never had it quite that baldly put to me, but yeah. I, we, I have, I've had close to those kind of situations. And, wow. and, and, um, and what do you say to that person? You say, well, listen. You're like, if Amy stop said, it. If, Amy, <laughs> if Amy said, I never want to see Ray on the schedule again. That, that's an easy case. Let's, okay. let's, 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 let's say, if let's Amy say, said, I never want Louie in here yeah, again. Yeah, now, now, well, now, now, now I have to earn my pay. Now, were you there when, when she walked up and the audience went crazy? because? She yes, but you know what? It wasn't uh, the way Sean Donnelly, who's <laughs> a funny guy who was hosting, um, he he gave her a very low key intro, mm -hmm. so to start to applaud and then as she walked on stage they went eight what, what as opposed to the initial explosion. Well, yeah, a lot the of times they're not sure they don't, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. Like you know what happened it. actually the other day? Uh, who went, Louis went on and then at the end of the show the host told the audience we have another special guest. Uh, he just has two Netflix specials out and people started to get excited. <laughs> Dave Chappelle and people <laughs> jumped up in the back and people freaked out and he said, ah, I'm just kidding. Ah, you guys are suckers. Blah, blah, blah. And I actually thought it was very mean that he did that. But but. Have you had Jason Zinneman on your show, the New York Times? We should get him on, on the... the yeah, you, you should get him on your other podcast uh, that he, you do he, with He Hatem. writes about comedy, you dummy. Okay. Well, uh, all right. Uh, fine. Uh, he wrote. He wrote. <laughs> did you read the review he wrote in the Times of Louis' uh, uh, hour special? No, I he didn't just wrote the it. book about Letterman, right? Uh, yeah, he wrote. And he, he wrote. He wrote, writes uh, all things comedy for the New York he Times. He wrote a really good review of Louis' hour special. He, he he praised it highly, but he, but it was a pretty, I thought, um, well written review. And review of the review of an of intelligent of an intelligent observer. Like I was impressed with the review. Anyway, by the way, no, but. Um, like a quick word uh, yeah. just about the Vegas room, if we could, yes, and, and how that's progressing. Uh, Ron, I don't know if you know this, yes, but I do. oh, you do know this, mm -hmm. but well, you can tell me anyway. Well, I will tell you anyway because uh, maybe some of the listeners aren't aware. We've t discussed it, but uh, the comedy seller is going to Vegas. It looks that it way. Looks I haven't signed anything yet, Dan. But uh, this is what this is. I've I've taken a bank loan, and uh, I've incorporated. And I have a red line agreement. You know what a red line is like? Is the agreement? I'm not with sure what a red line agreement it's, it's, it's is. You were a lawyer, Dan. Is the agreement? Well, I with, do have a law degree. Yes. Agreement with you know changes that have that go back and forth. You you put a red line through okay. them so that uh, they don't so that people can still refer. Kind of, you can read under the lines. You can see what the changes were. And uh, to this day, I'm still not sure if I'm doing the right thing. Well, and you'll never know until you do it. But we'll ask Ron Bennington what his yeah. expert opinion is yes. on the Vegas room, the Cell Comedy Cellar Vegas room. Is this going to be a big thing? Well, I, don't, I don't understand. You're supplying the comedy, right? Why do you have to take out a loan? Shouldn't the hotel be like, oh, this is great. Thanks for sending us these and letting us use this incredible name that's known all over the world. Shit. <laughs> no. Why is Redline? Let me take a quick look at it. The, an the answer this. is this. They... But, I want to build. A, they they tried to shunt me into into just a room, mm -hmm. like the improv with Harris. You know, it had that, and and I said no, I'm not going to do this unless I can build a room that looks exactly like the Comedy Cellar. I want brick walls. You know, the the mm -hmm. whole thing, really, a, a proper Comedy Cellar. And of course, they want you to have skin in the game, as they say. They don't because they want you to be motivated to to make it work. So. It's typical to, to want somebody to invest some money. So I'm going to invest a certain amount of money to build the room. 
but then I have my I have a partner and and somebody else involved, and and they don't have the money, so we're gonna take a loan, and uh, the the club is gonna pay them back to buy them their shares of the if the comp of the company if that makes sense. So uh, that's the reason, and it's not it's not a huge amount of money. The my the, the if the if the thing goes bust, it is not going to be a damaging financial situation for me. But again, I'm just so afraid of ever having a flop. I never had a flop. Well, the great ones all have flops. As you know, Trump's stake uh, mm. didn't work out, and the man is now one of our greatest presidents. So Richard Pryor was in one of the Superman movies. Um, yeah, know. I mean, after, after George Lucas did Star Wars, he did Howard the Duck. I, I understand. Like, I mean, and then he did more Star so Wars. So I think a flop. <laughs> I think a flop would be good for you. You know, it's like my first yeah. B. You know, I got a B in math. I remember in eighth grade, and it was a bit of a shock because I was getting all A's. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. What? Took the pressure off. Now I can just concentrate on on the on the joy of mathematics. And uh, Coppola did that movie with Robin Williams. Jack. Jack. I was just and, thinking and, that. I mean, so there. So there. So rest assured, you will simple have a Jack. <laughs> simple Jack. Rest assured, you will have a flop at some point if you continue to take risks. Why do you want it to look exactly the same? Well, why the faux room? Um, it's a good question. You know, I, I actually hadn't thought about why I want that. I want that because I think it's the best atmosphere for comedy. One, the, one of the things I think is underrated about The Cellar and, and at The Underground too. is that it really is the best vibe for comedy. The fancy rooms, the hotel, like, banquet hall type rooms or the, t the rooms where everything, everybody's a little bit too spread out, all those right. things don't work as well. I like... Intimacy. I, li I like the, the uh, classic brick look of it, the intimacy. The, How many seats? The warm colors. Happen. 200 or 250. You know, brick is a very warm thing, and 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 lighting. Every, it just it, it all works, and it's our brand at this point. You know, if you, if uh, Smith and Walensky opens in a casino, it looks like Smith and Walensky. You know, to have a, a room that doesn't resemble the comedy cellar at all, I, I, it would would be weird to me. No, I agree. Yeah. What is it about brick that you think makes comedy work? I think there is something about natural materials like wood and stone and brick, for whatever reason, for whatever primordial reason, slate, that uh, never look dated, are always somehow soothing aesthetically to people. I think that's just magic. Earth tones, my friend, earth tones. But I think it's natural to this place where you physically are. And that becomes fake when you take it somewhere else. Like, well, it's going to be real brick. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, you go into a, a place in the middle of the country and you're like, why did they put up a brick wall? Because the improv did it, uh, you know, in 1962. It's it always seems strange. Don't put negative ideas in Noam's head now. It's too late. Then it's the brick's great. already been ordered. The, it's been, no, no. The I, thing I love most about this is the brick. I, no, no. The, as opposed to as opposed to Dan, I they're actually, already ba baking. The bricks are baking as we speak in a quarry. <laughs> I like best talking to people who who are going to try to puncture my ideas because yeah. I want to get it right. But I don't want to more importantly, myself, Ron, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. since you're a good sounding board, yeah. since the rest of us are just yesing Noam to death because we want to work in Vegas and we're hoping he pays us good money no, to do you so. You either yes me to death or you contradict me. By re reflexively, so I have to also discount it as Dan just being difficult. Either way, we He's have actually He's talking from his heart. Good. I now we have somebody talking from his heart. Is Forget everybody the gonna, brick. Yeah. What about the notion of a showcase comedy club in a place like Vegas? Everybody's going to be doing 15 minutes like in New York? Or? Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not a headliner show you like yeah. you typically have in yeah. Las Vegas. So you're going to have four or five comics. Four comics and an MC. Are they going to want to be together? I mean, that's a long haul. Well, you pick to go. people who are you pick be people yeah. that want. Yeah. I said to I said to Noam secretly. Of course, I said no. Don't put me with Ray Allen. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but the difference is going to be is you're not going to have uh, 
Amy Schumer dropping in, right? You're not going to have that. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. The, the, the casino guys, the guys in charge of uh, Caesars Entertainment, they seem to think that we will. They, they, you know, they book a lot of uh, big headliners to big arena shows around Vegas. Yeah. And they think that they will be able, these guys will, A, want to drop in because it, they want to practice their set. Like he said, he said to me, sometimes, it, it wasn't Seinfeld, let's say Seinfeld yeah. is going to do Caesars Palace. He will literally need to get permission to do uh, an L.A. club the two weeks prior because that's their wow. deal. And he says, well, what they can do is get them to say, well, no, do the cellar in our, in our hotel in the meantime. So, and then there, there is, we're going to build a little front bar kind of like this as mm -hmm. part of the room. And there's always a lot of talent in Vegas. So maybe it'll become some kind of little place where people want to hang out. But that's, you know, I, I'd say but that's 30% chance. But I would say the key is is that even if there's not any household name showing up, that it'll, it'll have a reputation going in and it'll prove to have a reputation that each show is fantastic just based on the comics that are yeah. on the our, show. Our, our biggest asset competitively is that the other clubs have... Have you been to the clubs in Vegas? I mean, mm -hmm. they're just terrible. I mean, the, the... Well, they're all headliner shows, too. They're just yeah, a different the, type the, of show. The people they're booking as headliners, not, not all of them, but at least half of them are... C-level comics. I mean, really, like, can't even get a chuckle. I mean, yeah. what about the C-level comics? You mean they come from uh, low-lying areas? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the rooms are. Uh, I mean, was it um, Brad Garrett's comedy? It's a pretty nice room, you know. I, I, it, I that's not a. I, I don't love the room, but I don't think the room is standing in its way. The room is pretty good, you know. So anyway, Ron, you've heard it. You've heard the, all, all the, the everything now. What's your mm -hmm. verdict? Oh, I love it now. No, no seriously, Ron, we don't. Yeah. No one wants a real uh, yeah. a real answer. Well, I think this is uh, you know it's a roll of the dice. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the thing about doing a headliner show is that you know one guy is going to be a Vegas professional because I don't know. Whenever you go to Vegas, the entertainment and the people's thoughts are completely different, you know. And a lot of times you can go into a comedy club, hear a 24 year old kid talk, and you'll be like, oh, you know. Uh, I, can, I can't identify, but what a funny young guy. But when you're in Vegas, you're like, I'm down seven fucking grand. I don't want to hear this kid talking about living with his parents. It's no, driving I'm, me I'm crazy. sending people from here. Yeah. I'm no, no, but, no, but, but I understand what Ron's saying. That even if you the have Vegas a comic audience from here, is a certain type that's of audience. used to perform in New York City, I'm in Manhattan Club, Carlin it's a different get, audience. Car Carlin used to get walkouts in Vegas all the time sure. because it, they just didn't want, it was too heavy for them. The audience could be a little older. It's the same thing even, yeah. even in Aruba. There's people there on vacation. You have some people in their 20s different and 30s, head. but you have people 50s, 60s, 70s. Right. And a lot of comics... They need to, and some can't, adjust their material, adjust their attitude right. slightly. And they think, I'm doing what I'm going to do. It's like, no, no, no. These people are on vacation. They want to be entertained. You don't need to hit them with all your Trump yes, shit. Like cruise, actually, ship, cruise ship comics get made fun of all the time, but they do the best cruise ship material. Yes, I do want to right. underline that I'm not a cruise ship comic per se. <laughs> right. But rather a comic that does cruise ships. Right. But you know what I'm saying, right? A lot of That's how they all people, start, Dan. People <laughs> make fun of Bodax, but they know how to do that. That yes, place. it's a somewhat different. Yeah. You adjust um, your but material. then again, you know, it could be that if if Gnome's Club develops a reputation in Vegas, that among the millions of people that are in Vegas, the ones that really want real, you know, good edgy comedy will find their way to this well, look, new comedy. Hey, you know, I start out with, and this is why I've done everything that I've ever done. You start out with kind of the basic outline of how you think it's going to go, what your ideas are, and you do it. And a year later, it always, in certain ways 
become something much different than what you ever thought. This idea didn't work. This idea you happened on by accident. I'm sure with your radio show, like if you look you're at sure. what, oh, what you had envisioned it as and then what it ended up being is quite different. So I'm going to try it well, this I'll way Well, I quote Vegas. the great Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they get hit. No plan survives contact with the enemy. That, no, his wife said that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if I have to go headliners, I'll go headliner. I mean, whatever I, whatever I got to do. But How much of any reluctance that you have is due to you for the first time having to work with someone else? Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to be in a casino. They're going to have as much say as you, at the very least, in the business that you're running. They're not going to have as much say as me. Well, they're going to have a lot of say. Let's put it no, that way. No, I mean, they're going to have... No, they're it's not in their casino. Yeah, but if you're renting out the space, you can do the space. You know, you can have a I, I, I have, I, Yeah, we have a deal, and within the parameters of the yeah. deal, I I, I, I do think destiny. it's possible that your choice of comics might have to be somewhat different than, than you would book here because a Vegas audience might prove to be different. Ray Allen has a lot of experience. Or, I'm yeah. going to book Ted Alexander. He's going to go there and bash Trump for that mm. Vegas audience. He's going to kill. Or, or, you know, I mean, you can book comics who certainly work at the cellar, but you have to book certain yes, people. But, certain but you may not be able to book as freely. Right, yeah. You'll see. I mean, Ray Allen has some direct experience with this because he books Aruba, which is a vacation spot with a similar demographic. Uh, than uh, than uh, Vegas would have. I will say, and uh, I've said it before. I there's a, to me, yeah. There's a, of course there's an element of risk to this, but I think it is phenomenal. I think it's a no-brain risk, and I think it's going to be a big success. Listen, I just need an excuse to go to Vegas yeah. a couple times <laughs> a year. Honey, I'm sorry, I gotta go. You know, I don't want to. Oh God, I gotta you go talk, to Vegas. You talk a mean game, but we all know that you wouldn't dare stray. Uh, from the straight and narrow path. By the way, I was talking to Ed. Is there ever, has there ever been a better slogan ever con- invented than whatever happens in, what is it? Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. That is the most brilliant slogan yeah. ever because it, it, it doesn't actually spell it out. It, I always like It just uh, harkens to what everybody is going to Vegas I for. I always enjoyed uh, Supermarket to the World, the Archer Daniels Midland. No, <laughs> whatever happens in Vegas stays. <laughs> that, that is, that I, is, Coke and a smile is good, but... I have one more question about the Vegas room. Oh, is this interesting to people at home, you think? More than talking Are about you Trump kidding? and sex? Are Comedy you kidding is, how riveting I think this conversation... No, I mean, really, just, you, you don't get it. This is the shit that, that, that you can only get. You can only get here Listen, Noam at Dorman. the Comedy Cellar no. show. That Trump yeah. shit you're doing, yeah, you want to talk about, you about Syria? anywhere. Noam Dorman, anywhere. Noam Dorman always made money for his partners. Whatever. That's from The Godfather. This <laughs> shit, the Vegas shit, it's inside shit. Okay, go ahead. Am I right, Ron Bennington? I, I'm on the edge of my chair right now. I can't <laughs> believe this is being discussed Dan's banging cocktail long. waitresses yes. two, three at a time. Can't get a drink, <laughs> straight well, can't get a drink at the table. You, you straighten know, my brother out. <laughs> I had, I had a if question. You want, if, you have some, if you have a scoop about Trump that nobody else is hitting, then let's do it. You but know that Dan starred in a stand-up of The Godfather and didn't even bother to watch the movie? Go ahead. Go ahead Steve. I have I a question related to what Dan ago. said earlier. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you said that there are... The seller is going to have to be more selective about the comments. Well, I don't know. It may it may prove to be okay through experience that not every seller comic is right for the Vegas room. We'll see. Oh, right, Trump. Right. Susan Rice committed a crime. Can he shut up? Go ahead. You, look, uh, it's no, it's no different than if you have if let's say you're having a corporate event at let the, the man underground. Let the question. Right? No, but the point Certain is, comics what? are right for that event. Right. So that's my question. What sorts of personalities and material you're is not, going to work better? You're not going to have any black comics. That has to stop right now because people in Vegas goes, why is there a black guy on stage? 
Oh, they won't be able to understand it. That you're, sounds awesome. You're pulling, you're pulling legs. <laughs> well, well, the answer to your question is, we'll see. It may be that every comic does great. I know exactly who to put on that show, but I'll, I'll tell you off yeah, Let me tell you no, something. Black comics. Greer Barnes will kill Greer anywhere. Any, Greer Barnes. Anywhere. Anywhere. Can't follow that guy. You can't follow Well, Barnes. you can follow anybody. You can follow a good act. It's the easiest act and to Dan, follow. And Dan offered Leonard Oots $100,000 for his career. What does that have to do with the Vegas? You obviously think he's quite commercial. Yeah, well, I, I think I, he's incredibly, and he's, oh, a, he's adorable. Yeah. He's going to be wildly successful. Yeah. He's great. I had him in Aruba. He, all he talked about was wanting to go jet skiing and uh, snorkeling. And the only reason I can tell this is because he, he talks about it on stage now. But we went we went jet skiing. He's a heavy set fellow. And we went out. I mean, he went 10 feet, and, and then the jet ski was toppled <laughs> over. It was, I felt so bad at the time. And snorkeling. And snorkeling, oh. we uh, you know we walked into the water, and he just kind of stood there with a tube in his mouth. We didn't really go under. I have to run downstairs and go on stage. We're, we're wrapping it up. Do you, do you actually think there's a problem with black no, comics in, in middle joking. America? You no. don't think so? No, they do very very well wherever you go. They they certainly do well on. Yeah. Now it may be that the audience doesn't want them to marry their daughters, but but that has nothing to do with. But they're good for entertainment purposes. What's that? I no. mean, even the most diehard racist enjoys a enjoys you know a, a black entertainer. I agree. I'm just just curious if if if, if, if there was a uh, grain of uh, seriousness to what Ron no, was saying, or he just making a joke. Because I, I just the opposite when you go out in the world. Do you think that if I have a show which has only black comics on it, that that would turn off a white audience? You know uh, what it does is all of a sudden they call it a black room. You know what I mean? And, and women and and because I had a club in Florida, and people get offended if you say that, but the audience does go, oh, I, I didn't know this was a black room. It just happens with people. Yeah, there, I agree with you. There, there is a phenomenon. It's not, it's not really black and white. It, it could be Korean, uh, Hasidic, Jew. There's Whatever a, it is. Yeah. yeah. When all well, it becomes like a woman show might be like, well, absolutely. this is a, a chick, a chick show. And know? yet, if you have four white guys on, no one's going to go, oh, I see, white, white show. Well, the, but there's, there is a legitimate reason for that. Reason for that. And I actually had this experience with music when I ended up having an all black band, and it made, and nobody perceived it as a black show. It's because. Uh, we usually when you have you can have four black comics all doing black centric material mm -hmm. and that's one vibe you have four comics doing you know just material about family or whatever it is I think that comes across simply white guys don't usually talk too much about their ethnicity and all that so it just seems more generic and, and women I don't know you know Danish American can't get a cab in this town. <laughs> <laughs> the subject matter uh, I think it, it dictates it too if you had, although if you had four Hasidic Jews Never mentioned they were Hasidic Jews. It would still feel like a Hasidic sh show. Well, by the way, if they wanted to bring in 10 million Hasidic Jews, and uh, and, and and people complained about it, do you think that would be anti-Semitic? Absolutely, it would be considered that. Yeah, sure. I, I don't think it'd be anti-Semitic. I think that, I, anyway, we we had to wrap it up now. Dan, you have anything else? Well, I won't be here next week. I mentioned that just to. Uh, if Where are you going to be? I'm going to be at Sea Man. No, I'm I'm going to be on a ship. Who's our guest next week? Uh, Jonathan Solomon. Ah, Who's Jonathan Solomon? He was a mainstay down here for... Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm not overwhelmed with grief that I'm missing Jonathan Solomon. Had you said, oh, you know, believe it or not, we got Sarah Bareilles, and then I, I might have to cancel the cruise. Ron, I'm a huge fan of yours. Thank you. And I, and I feel like you probably came down here just as a, as a, a gesture of goodwill. I don't, you probably don't want to do this, and I appreciate it very much. I'm sorry I was late. I'll be here next week. Are you doing just, a show down yeah, here? No, I'll be with you here to fill in for Dan. Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, well, don't do too good a job. Well, my, my shoulder's starting to ache a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I it's caught contagious. something. It's <laughs> contagious. All right, good night, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>